into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. Hello, everybody. This is Justin, your host for Epic Tales from the Sewers. I am here with a very special guest. I have Mr. Brom Ravel, the writer and artist for Jenica and Jenica 2. How's it going, Brom? It's going good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited because um, this is a character that a lot of people were asking, oh, when are you going to cover Jenica? When are you going to cover Jenica? So uh, I, I was glad that uh, you were available. Yeah, um, I always like to talk about my work, so no problem there. And I was uh, I was super excited because I did not know that there would be a second uh, series coming, uh, Jenica 2. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that in my pull list at the store, I was like, what is this surprise? So, <laughs> yeah, you know. uh, it's pretty cool that they that it did well enough the first one that we got a chance to do a second one. So, are you are you seeing like a um, like a big resurgence or or for this character now? Um, like, what what's the popular popularity like from your end? Uh, it's, it's honestly it's hard for me to tell. Uh, I don't like know I don't know the um, sales figures or anything, but uh, I. I, it feels like just kind of the reception online feels like uh, people are into it. And a lot of people are, a lot of people bring up, uh, what's the, uh, the old girl Ninja Turtles name, Venus. They bring up Venus and being as like, good, this, at least it's not like Venus, you know? <laughs> oh, uh, the, the next mutation and all that. Yeah, I guess I didn't even know about Venus, but uh, what was it in? That was uh, it was a live action series. Um, I want to say it was on Fox Kids, and it was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Next Mutation. Right. It was it was live action, and yeah, they forced the female turtle in there. Luckily, this time we were much more organic, and it uh, was a character that you know was already there and established and. And kind of now it makes sense. It's it's really cool in reading the uh, the first Jenica series there on how you flesh out her history and her past with the characters. Mm-hmm. And just we we get a better idea of what she's about and where she's come from. Um, do you have any insights as to like what Jenica's all about, like that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, I have my 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 own ideas. I mean, basically the way it worked was. There was a uh, a little backup series, which I think is the one you're talking about, um, that also got reprinted in the first Jenica collection. Um, mm-hmm. And it, Jenica at that point had already been established, and and a, a friend of well, first you know the head, the lead assassin of Shredder, and then she became friends with the Turtles, and then she was you know. Uh, Splinter's right-hand man when he was running the the foot or and then um but we didn't have any background on her and so uh my editor was like we have this little backup issue or backup things running in TMNT universe you want to like kind of figure something out for her just as like for lack of anything else and this was like a few years before there was any thought of turning her into one of the turtles so I kind of got to just take what little there was of her because her her past hadn't been explored at all. And um, I just 
kind of got to run with it. And so when when she did become a turtle and then and then they wanted to do something, I had already kind of laid some of the groundwork for her backstory. And so it made some sense to have me continue on with it. But um, really, there wasn't much there before then. Uh, she was just... I thought she was an interesting character because she was a foot assassin, essentially. But at the same time, she felt like she had a lot of heart, you know, like she wasn't intrinsically evil. And um, and between that, like what would have, how her, how, what path would have gotten her to being an assassin was one of the places I started. And also, uh, her, her hair, her look, uh, having the short kind of punky hair that gave me a little cute clue of what could have been some of her, um, you know, her origin story. And, uh, and I kind of just ran with that, tried to kind of figure out what would have gotten her to the place to become, you know, want to join the foot. And also, what would make her someone who uh, would then not be so, you know, broken or anything that she, when she met the turtles and Splinter, that she was able to find a new family and embrace that as well. Yeah, it's really it's really compelling to see her story and just kind of see what she has been through. And then as a character, she's so ingrained in, in like the foot that she's her first appearance. She's pretty much attacking Splinter because of honor and you, wow, the honor from an assassin that seems like a contradiction, but um, yeah, it, it makes it this nice little, little uh, sort of, sort of, um, I, I don't know what, what the best word to be would to describe it, but <clears throat> it's layered. And, and that's what I, I feel makes interesting characters, you know, um, when you have someone like this where it's like, well, this isn't what I'm expecting. So it's just pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that she's slow. I mean, it's hard. You, you want to build characters kind of slowly too, and not just like, this is who I am and I am exactly this. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, having a little bit of contradictions help and, um, and, you know, I don't know. I, I I always felt she was fairly endearing. Um, and I, I think even when I kind of took her on uh, in Jenica 1 and 2 as, as a turtle, uh, I wanted to keep that, that aspect of her where, you know, she's still trying to figure it out a little bit. You know, the past still catches up with you a little bit. And um, also... You know, she's she's got to come to terms with different things. One of them being a mutant, but also like you know her past too. Uh, and and I think also you know sometimes she gets in over her head a little bit. And that that was kind of something that I uh, I wanted to carry through the the solo series. 
I can, I can definitely see that. And, and the, the thing that really reaches me about this is that she has such a distinct personality. She's not just like, okay, you've got Donatello, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael, and it's like, okay, and then there's the girl. It's like, no, you can tell her voice like when she's when she's talking and she's she's distinct in that. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about her is that she's not just like a mix up of two of them. You know, mm -hmm. she's a distinct personality, which is completely unique to um what's ever been in any sort of turtle war. Thanks. It's nice to hear that that came through. Uh you know, I think yeah, I, I think that, you know, there are obviously, you know, we want to um, honor her as a character, her as a woman, uh, and and not be stereotypical in any way or anything. Um, and so the way I just treat her is just like she's a person. I mean, like she's a character. She is who she is. She's Jennifer. She's not, uh, you know, overly good, overly bad. She's complex, just like anyone. And, um, and she's not a stereotype. I mean, and I don't think, not that she, I think she ever was. I mean, she was very much a unique character. Just as I said, from like starting off being, uh, Shredder's lead assassin and then getting to be, uh, you know, having the openness to, to then follow Splinter and then become kind of, uh, you know, almost like a sister to the turtles. Obviously, you know, that's a character that's has a lot of richness to them. You know, they're not a one note character. And, I, you know, I really, I just, I, I kind of have a, an idea of who she is and I just write her that way. And it's nice to hear that, uh, it comes out as distinct, you know, you never really know when you're writing. Oh yeah. Ed, everyone I know that's reading it loves the story. Um, and, and to me, it's funny because she reads like, like Daredevil, Daredevil mm -hmm. protecting the city, you know, in, in just his little fiefdom there, he's in hell's kitchen and he's going to stop the crime and all that. And Jenica is that peacekeeper sort of character. And I, I am a huge Daredevil fan, um, as I think a lot of Ninja Turtle fans are. Yeah. Um, and it, it, to me, it's like, wow, she's these guys protect protector. You know, she's she's going to stop, you know, this this guy from stealing this person's uh, groceries, and she's going to, you know, stop these people from smashing windows. And so it's it's just um, that that's kind of where my head goes as a reader. I'm like, oh, I totally buy this because she's not just hanging out; she's trying to be the person to keep the peace and keep these people who are, you know, against their own circumstances. You know, um, they were just caught up in something, and now they can't leave because they're they're, uh, you know, in this uh, locked off ghetto in the city. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was a bit a stroke of genius, which I had nothing to do with. Uh, creating the mutant zone and, and everything. And uh, it really works very good uh, for her. Like, like that, that happened right as she, it's interesting because she, right. She didn't get caught up in the, um, the mutant gas bomb, whatever that, that turned everyone else, but she did also get turned basically right at that same moment. And so she does have a lot of empathy for all these people because, 
she's going through the exact same thing. Um, and it really gives a rich new playground to, to play with. There's a whole bunch of new, you know, mutants that you get to introduce if you, if you need to. And, um, and the, the neighborhood is also, even though it's still kind of like New York, kind of Lower East Side, it is a new character in its own respect as well. Uh, and so all of that kind of new playground to play with is perfect for starting like a new little mini series or whatnot. Um, and, and yeah, Daredevil was definitely uh, an influence. I, I've been a big fan, especially the, the old Miller ones, which were, yeah. you know, kind of a big, so good. <laughs> yeah, a big uh, influence on, you know, the original Eastman and Laird uh, series. So I think it's all very appropriate to, to go back and also be a little influenced by that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool. I really enjoy the, um, the kind of, uh, mutant town, uh, vibe. And like, it makes sense that she is kind of, uh, almost taking ownership of it even a little more than the turtles are because, you know, she has more of a connection to, she has like maybe more empathy. Like they were never humans. I mean, maybe in this, this universe, they were kind of this reincarnated versions of these, uh, the kids from, uh, you know, the actual yeah, feudal Japan, feudal Japan. Yeah. but I mean, really it, in all respects, they're kind of well, have always been turtles, right? Uh, whereas she has changed, and she now has to also uh, she she has that empathy. She knows what it's like uh, for what these people are going through, so she um, feels like she has to protect them and help them transition and and uh, all this stuff. At, well, all at the same time while she's dealing with her own um her own you know stuff that's going through her head like she, while she's transitioning so i it's i, I was given a uh you know a lot to work with uh so it it wasn't it, it kind of was flowed out very naturally Now, with with uh, the mutant um, zone that you're working with, are you at all influenced by maybe like some of the older characters or some of like the action figures from back in the day? Um, have you had any um, any characters that you you've tried to like squeeze in? Um, not really. I mean, I was of the age that I was playing with those toys, uh, but I don't really. I didn't really have any like people that I was trying to, to fit in. I kind of wanted to keep it a little, um, I don't know, like a little, like the way Daredevil kind of deals with, uh, you know, smaller crime. I, I kind of wanted to deal with some some of the uh, uh, the characters of the, the neighborhood and, and, and people who weren't necessarily like, for lack of a better word, like super powered, you know? Oh yeah, um, yeah. I get uh, that. But um, 
I I was I actually got into Turtles uh through the the role playing game like when I was like No kidding. Yeah, when I was like 11 or 12 or something. And so that kind of you know you, you kind of make characters who are uh, mutants in various stages of mutation. You can be slightly more human, slightly more uh animal and you know like any uh, role-playing game you know you roll for your characters and stuff and so I, I have gone back to that and like looked at uh you know like they have the lists of the different animals that you can be and different like powers that you get when you are you know whatever like a porcupine versus a, a dog can smell good so I try, I try to at least be cognizant of like that those ideas the ideas of like that you know you are transforming, but there are some benefits, maybe some like slight superpowers that you're getting to animal characteristic attributes. Um, so in that respect, yes, a little bit going back to, you know, early inspirations, but in terms of specific, uh, you know, old characters, not really. I mean, we did want to bring in um, a few of, the classic guys like in the first series there's i don't know if i should say for people who haven't read them because some of some of them are uh, spoilers uh but you know we we have brought in some some characters that are um fan favorites i guess or uh people people who you know but also i wanted to definitely make some new characters and new people who weren't, who were just kind of your everyday people on the street to give their I think I know what you're talking bit. about with the, uh, the pickle juice in the jar. Is that right. what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah uh, people have to go and, and read that f uh, full series because when I hit that, I was just floored. I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> so, and they look so good. Like the artwork. I love when, um, when I, I don't want to give it away either, but I, I just, I'll just say the sideburns work for me. Oh, like that's, you know, where it's like you take them from like these, these crazy archetypes that we're all used to. And then it's like, you add these little flares and it's like, they just look so good. So yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. Um, uh, but I was thinking about like, um, like I know on the cover of Jenica two, there's a giraffe and I'm like, okay, well, right, there was yeah. a character called half court. Or there's a character called Scratch, or there was a character called uh, the, whoever that the dog was, and my listeners probably kill me for not knowing who that was. Right. But um, but I, I was just wondering if those were at all an influence, or if there was any Easter eggs or anything like that. Not really. Um, like I didn't know Half Court, uh, but for for the animals, what I just I kind of like to do is, you know, when I'm drawing like black background characters, or whatever, is just play with shapes, you know, and it's like, oh, you know. Like, what can we do with this kind of uh, animal? Or, you know, how can we kind of stretch or mold these uh, these different, like, just even back, you know, background characters into um, interesting looking things? I don't even know, like, sometimes, you know, what animal I'm drawing. Obviously, if it's a, a giraffe, I do. But, but sometimes I just, like, make a head shape and it's like, what does that look like? And it, it's kind of nice. Also, you know, New York is such... Uh, 
populated area that it is nice to, you know, fill in the backgrounds with characters, especially now that like all these characters in the zone are um, animals or mutants. So uh, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun uh, little world to, uh, to kind of populate and also like, you know, try to imagine what these New Yorkers, these Lower East Side, you know, neighborhood, like what, how they would be if they got mutated, you know, how they would be the same, how they'd be different, you know, how they would be dealing with it. I mean, New Yorkers are very, I lived in New York for like 15 years. New Yorkers are very good at like rolling with the punches, you know, and also like when things get uh messed up whether it's like 9-11 or just like a blizzard or sandy the the hurricane yeah they're they're really good at coming together and um and and being like you know we gotta gotta come together to get through this you know it's a unique uh place and uh and people you know even if people are like kind of can be rough some of the time when the shit hits the fan, then people are much, uh, are, are, are good about like coming together and, and dealing with it as a community. So I wanted to have an aspect of that in the, um, in, uh, the, the mutant zone as well. I think that definitely comes across and it, it, it's funny because there's, there's characters that you don't expect to have that aspect. Like, um, like Ivan, Ivan's a character where it's like you're not sure where he's he lies. It's it's um you're like, all right, is he doing this for the benefit of the community, but is he, you know, not all that altruistic, you know, he's doing this for the benefit of himself, but mm-hmm. you know, where does he lie? He's like those total shades of gray. And, and I think that's what makes for interesting because this guy was, for most intensive purposes, the bad guy in, you know, a previous storyline. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I, that. That wasn't entirely planned, um, but it's like you say. Like once, once you kind of create the character a little bit, they take on a little bit a life of their own, and you know, no one is completely, uh, you know, one dimensional. They, they, he, he is maybe a little selfish and a little bit of a criminal, petty criminal or whatever. But at the same time, he, he you know. He does that for a reason because that's his his worldview has made it so that like that makes sense, and so you know how did that happen and 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 uh, you know it's it's interesting how uh, you know the characters kind of start to take on a life of their own. Like I, I really hadn't planned on having him be a uh, a recurring character or anything, but then when the second um, when I did the second story, it made sense that he was going to, you know, be there in this kind of, uh, you know, he, he was enough of a presence in the underworld of the mutant zone that he would make his presence felt again. And then it, as the story went on, it, they, they started to see that they had a little bit, uh, him and uh, Jenica, that they had a little bit more, uh, in common than they previously thought. And, you know, by the end of it, they're almost friendly. 
That's neat. So do you have the whole thing um, plotted out from, from beginning to end, or are you still working on the, um, the end of it? Uh, well, the third issue is finished. The third issue, I think, comes out next Wednesday. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, so that's at the printers and all done. Um, I pretty I don't like to leave too much uh, open, like, for the drawing phase in terms of story. I want to get everything down. And, you know, for the most part, editors want that too, you know. <laughs> they don't want to, like... <laughs> like uh, get to the end and be like this is the ending <laughs> um so we definitely you know work work it out work work out the best uh flow of of the story we can and then if there are little ways to tweak things on on the way uh they'll get tweaked especially with dialogue dialogue you always go back and do like a little final pass uh to massage or like you know, make it match the, the drawings as best as possible. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, but in, in the first, say, pitch for the second series, there was definitely a few back and forth between me and editors uh, trying to figure out what was the best way to tell it. And I think um, uh, Ivan got a slightly bigger uh part as the um as as the kind of like pitch went back and forth a few times uh because also since it is a solo thing it, it's a little nice to have her have someone to talk to you know uh, i don't i don't like to do i i didn't want to do even though it made some sense i didn't want to do that kind of uh, hero's monologue kind of vibe because I don't want the reader to know exactly what's going on in, in Jenica's head. I want there to be some kind of, you know, mystery uh, about what she's going through and what she's thinking uh, where we're not exactly, we're more like uh, a, um, you know, someone going along for the ride with her rather than being her. Like watching a movie rather than reading the book, perhaps? Maybe, yeah, yeah, because that is a big part of, uh, you know, the classic, going back to the, the Miller Daredevil archetype of uh, storytelling, that kind of captioned internal monologue, uh, you know, or like Wolverine, I'm the best that there is what I do, you know, this kind of, <laughs> like... That that is a big part of of that uh, you know that link to um, the Miller Daredevil stuff, but I, I and I did think about it because when you are on a solo adventure, sometimes you get to pages that you know there's there's just a lot of visual storytelling and not much words, and that's often where you know you you can put in a lot of those uh, caption boxes. But I did not want to get too much into her head. I wanted you to to have to kind of read her um, expressions and her gestures and and kind of uh, not be completely knowing exactly what she was thinking. Uh, and so again, have, having 
someone or a few people in the first series, but also in the second one, having Ivan there, there's now someone that she can kind of uh, bounce ideas off of, talk about what's going on. And, and he fit the bill good because he also, they didn't, they don't get along exactly. They aren't both of the same mindset, you know? So he's got his own opinions. She's got her opinions. And, uh, and you know, by the end we see what happens. <laughs> you, heard- you make a really good use of contemporary technology too, because this is the first comic that I can recall that I've seen memes actually drawn on right. you know, someone making a tweet and all that. And she's checking her phone while she's scouring the city and all that. I'm like, this is, this is relevant. This is now, you know, this is what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah. are complaining and and like, oh, well, here's a stupid meme. Like, yeah, that's that's real life. So right, I, I just yeah. thought that was so interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, right? If people are are uh, you know kind of alt right groups are using memes and stuff to spread disinformation and whatnot, it makes sense that if people were were you know doing the same for mutants who are kind of feeling, uh, you know these racist tendencies towards, you know, mutants. Well, of course they would like these, these mutants are literally less than human. Right. So I think, I I think what, what also could be interesting or could have come across as interesting through that too, is that people that maybe wouldn't consider themselves as racist might still be like, I don't know what the term is, mutinist or, you know, like, like uh, all of a sudden, you know, you don't have the the wherewithal to realize that uh, you're kind of treating these poor mutants as less than human when they were human, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, So I thought there was, it's, it's true with a lot of stuff that's going on, protesting, uh, you know, uh, crazy memes, uh, People, you know, um, well, disinformation, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it, it just makes sense. And also, I'm surprised also how little people do use kind of like cell phones and this kind of stuff in storytelling these days, especially a, a visual medium uh, that, that it, they are such ever-present devices and, and like the... The, the way we access information uh it's kind of surprising that that it's not like it's not like not only not used as much but not super used because it's it's really how we get so much information how we communicate and so i thought it was important to 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 put that in in the different ways that i could I think it makes sense, and especially when art imitates life, and, and to have it add that element of realism to it in a book that is just, you know, it's like, okay, we're talking about giraffes and, you know, turtles and muskrats and stuff like that, so it's like, it's a bit off the wall. I, I will say, like, one of the things when you were just talking that really kind of hit me between the eyes is that maybe one of the things that I'm picking up is that this reminds me of um, God God Loves, Man Kills. Um Right, that's the Claremont X Men. Yeah, yeah. And I know you've got a history with the X Men too, because of your Marvel Knights X Men series. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think about them a, a bit 
in relation to this because it's a lot of, I mean, first of all, just using the word mutant, whether it's, you know, uh, a Marvel mutant or a Ninja Turtle mutant, it's like a, a very easy uh, symbol, you know, or easy uh, allegory for, you know, the misfits of society, the, the people, the outcasts or whatever, you know, whatever you want to enter into that, that, that metaphor. Um, so yeah, I, I have, did, I did one thing for Marvel Knights with X-Men and, and it's, it's, it's similar, uh, similar thinking in terms of like using it as a allegory for just whatever, you know, segment of I love society. the team that you chose, by the way, the, the crew that, that you had in there. I'm like, yep, you hit them all. Well, it, I was very much like, uh, uh uh, x-men fan of the 80s like and i when i was offered that i i really had not been um following too much in the last you know 10 or 15 years so i really went to my back to my claremont roots <laughs> and so i was like I, there was even, there was a lot of people who were like why are you bringing up carol danvers again <laughs> and i was like I, that, that's what i know you know so you're like, this is my story. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's like, aren't people still talking about this, you know, 25 years later? So Yeah, uh, the movie came, came out eventually. You know, it's like, <laughs> so yeah. people are concerned with Carol Danvers again. So, you know. Right. Um, so, so yeah. It, and, and, you know, even like with Wolverine, he's been through so much. I, I don't even know what's going on with him. But I was like, if I'm doing an X-Men story, I'm putting Wolverine in it. <laughs> oh, of course. I, I love um, I love the art style, and, and I love um, just the way that you kind of made him. And um, that was just just really, really cool. It's Your lines are, are simple, and not in the, in the sense that it's not, like, overly detailed like a Todd McFarlane. No. Like, it's like, you look at it, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I know exactly what this is. And it's not overly detailed, but it has these little sort of... Um, fine lines on it and i just i find that i really like the style of this book and and going back to that x-men book same thing it reminds me of like a like a lee weeks or um i'm trying to think i um i'm trying to think of who else your style reminds me of but um i just i just really like it for the the type of stories that you tell thanks it's good to hear fits uh you know it's always a work in progress uh i'm always tweaking the process and trying to like you know it, it it's i don't know writing is hard drawing is hard doing them together is hard comics is a very difficult thing to do so i think people uh, underestimate how difficult it really is to do so it's always a process it's nice to hear that uh, things are working but usually you know you're you're half pulling your hair out trying to get you know, what you have in your head onto the paper. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, with every book, I'm crawling slightly closer to where I want to be, but it's, it's a process. You know? Do you think that that means taking on um, more detailed uh, uh, animals like, um, like, uh, I don't know, like a crocodile might might be more difficult than, say, uh, a gorilla for you or something. Like, did you find like you're progressing in that way? Um, really, it's a push and pull type of thing because I do 
like things to be stripped down as you were kind of uh, describing. Like, I like it to be simple and easily readable and like the most direct, you know, they are cartoons, you know, essentially. So I, I do want them to read very immediately and not be too confusing and simple. But at the same time, sometimes you push that too far and you, you start to lose a little of these like nice little details that make the, uh, you know, that give the world and the characters like uh, specificity, you know, like uh, if you, if you allow yourself to be too vague or too like with lacking in detail, things are start to get a little generic, but at the same time, I don't want to be one of those people who like uh, is rendering every single, you know, button and every single, I, I do like a, a certain amount of impressionistic rendering, you know, things where you have a kind of a the vibe of, uh, of something or like a background is kind of, impressionistically uh scratched out a little bit but at the other times you know you can't do that all the time so it, it for me it's a little push push and pull you know how far what can i get away with in one direction when do characters start to be too uh you know generic or or just you know i do like shapes like i am a big fan of like mignola who you know obviously is very shape based and uh kind of pared down but at the same time uh i mean he does it what he does very good obviously he's one of the masters but um i don't even know sometimes looking at that i'm like how did he do this when the majority of the page is negative space shadow and it's yeah. the most compelling thing on the on the the, <laughs> the page it's but so it's funny. it's all still very specific like you know people all are who they are they're 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 uh, outfits are very specific and but at the same time it's very simple too so i mean it's that's like it's a magic trick you know <laughs> to be able to do that and so it's it's push and pull like you definitely don't need like uh, a thousand lines to describe something clearly and uh specifically but uh you know it's uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, it's he when he makes look easily easy is not easy, <laughs> and that's the thing yeah, when I people get, do get, it really <laughs> good, it looks really easy. But uh, it's yeah, I don't think cartoonists get enough credit for what they go through on a month to month basis trying to get these books out. I was reading through um, another one just recently came out. They had uh, your story from the, the macro series uh, for Donatello mm -hmm. that you had illustrated. They just released the best of Donatello and that was in it. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, um, who is your favorite of the original four Ninja Turtles? Uh, definitely growing up, it was Raph. Uh, I liked his kind of like brash, you know, uh, kind of attitude that was definitely my thing growing up like I was a big fan of Wolverine and I felt like they were very 
simpatico, you know. They even like Raft kind of had the the size that if you put them in his fist, yep, they, they, they like almost claws. yeah, <laughs> they almost came out like claws. Um, so that that definitely was uh, was my guy growing up. But to be honest, as time has gone on, like I feel like the Raft of the uh, the current series. He's gotten a little too much of a hard ass lately. <laughs> uh, he's, he, I, I find myself being less sympathetic with him than I was when I was, I was younger. He's always kind of in a mood, you know, he's always mm-hmm. kind of running off and like kind of being, and I, I do find myself being gravitating more towards uh, Mikey now because Mikey's just such a sweetheart and, uh, you know, uh, he's very different in this IDW series, and he's a lot darker than people think. Yeah, yeah, he's super, where I'm coming he's, across. He's, <laughs> he's like an open a nerve ending, you know. Like he, he he has the the heart of a of a I don't I don't want to say child, but like he's very open and and loving and like you know fun loving. But at the same time, when things go bad, he feels it kind of like more than anyone. So I, I really think that the, the way they've been writing him has been great. Um, He's just been searching for some sort of connection and through, yeah. throughout all these relationships that he has, whether it's with, you know, like Leatherhead or Mondo Gecko or, or, or April Casey, any of those, he's looking for like that sort of camaraderie that, that he can get. And it, it just seems like this is this search for him. And how cool does that dove into, even though it's not particularly canon, but how cool is it that that dove ends into, you know, The Last Ronin? It's like, wow. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Which I haven't read yet. Uh, but uh, it looks phenomenal. I, w- I won't give any anything away. I just uh, mean that, you know, characters kind of uh, match their characters in, in that story. Mm-hmm. So. So it's pretty interesting, but I'm surprised you haven't read it yet. So yeah, but, you know, uh, I got I got a copy of it. I just haven't got to it. Yeah, I I think um, what is it? I I was at like twelve oh one on the day it was released, reading it digitally, and then I ran out to get it at the first uh, convenience the next day. So excited! Yeah, even, I, uh, I, so good. To, <laughs> to be honest, like I, I I'm I live in my own little uh, box basically, and. I, I wasn't really aware of how like big a, a deal it was. <laughs> like I definitely was, I was like sending some pages in and my, uh, my editor was like, we're dealing with uh, the Ronin right now. Uh, we, you know, <laughs> uh, so forgive me if, uh, you know, I, I don't get back to you in like a few days. And, uh, and, and then it came out and I was like, Oh, it's like people are kind of like been waiting on this thing. Is this kind of like a big deal? Uh, but at the at the time, I was kind of like not even aware, <laughs> like completely not even aware. There, there was two comics that I was highly anticipating in 2020. The the first was Three Jokers, mm-hmm. and the second was Last Ronin, and um, neither disappointed. So, <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta do it. Gotta read it. It's got to be tough, though, to keep up and, and all that, especially when you're in the business. You know, it's like, oh, well, what are they doing with this? And I, I know as a reader, I lose track of characters. Like, I'm off X-Men now, and I was on it for a while, and I'll, I'll get back. It's just it's not really interesting me right now. But, you know, yeah, I mean, other stuff. Yeah, I, I, I've 
Uh, I mean, like I've, I've been following the main uh, IDW series because it's such like the, the main thing that you have to know what's going on. Um, especially if you're kind of working in it. Um, exactly. But you know, the last Ronin's felt like such a, uh, uh, I don't know. It's like the future. It's, it feels like an Elseworlds kind of tale a little bit. Like it's, it's, it's unlikely that, uh, anything that happens there because it's the future <laughs> will have any bearing on like something that I have to, you know, write. Uh, so it, it was more just like, it would be more of a, entertainment reading than like keeping tabs on like uh the news you know yeah uh, i get that absolutely it's like it's like reading those elseworld titles that you used to see a lot of before like batman red rain where he's a vampire or right Justice which i League actually love i mean it's a great one yeah i i do really like when they do these kind of uh you know elseworld things uh I, I mean, back to Mignola, I love the uh, the Jack the Ripper Batman and the um, oh uh, Gotham by Gaslight, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I really enjoyed the uh, what was it, sixteen oh two, the Neil when Neil Gaiman wrote, where they were like oh, all yeah. early America. Uh, I think uh, it was, I want to say Andy Kubert did the art on that one too. Yeah, that was, um, that was pretty good. I forget the, the actual date, but it was the like which breed. Yeah, sixteen oh two or sixteen something. I think I think you're right on that because I, I remember um, just reading it and they had a tie in for Fantastic Four and Doctor mm-hmm. Strange and all that yeah. and the X Men. Super so, fun, yeah, that was really you know. Cool. Yeah, so I'm into all that. It's just I, I haven't gotten to it. I I can't say I blame you. So <laughs> there's so <laughs> much, you know, there's so much media to keep track of. So oh, I, yeah. I just try to help organize uh, all the turtle stuff in uh, one place so so folks can get a hold of it. Um, but I did want to ask you about your other series. Um, is it gorillas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, I have yet to read this. I, I just kind of like in doing research for this, I, I, I found it and I'm like, all right, so now I have to go out and find these. And I am very much the type of guy I'm going to go out and find a physical copy if I can. Uh, you should be able to, I mean, they're on Amazon. Uh, I know Amazon is not the best first place you want to try to go, but, uh, they're completely still available. Uh, it's just, you know, sometimes in comic book stores, it's hit or miss who's carrying it. Uh, but it was basically my first story, like my first writing uh, creator-owned project. Uh, it's about a platoon of chimpanzees in the Vietnam War. Uh, okay. You know, like an experimental, you know, the, the, using the idea... It's uh, midway through Vietnam. It's 1970. We're, we're in a quagmire. Things aren't going well. And uh, Nixon is now president. Nixon's like uh, worried about, you know, being the first president to uh, lose a, a war as an American uh, president. And so they're a little more open to maybe some weird ideas. Uh and and although it's it sounds very pulpy, like uh, it's played pretty straightforwardly. It's it's like the chimps don't talk. Uh, they're actually chimps. They've just been trained and slightly modified uh, 
to be soldiers. Now, and, and there's a little bit of a, uh, obviously it's, it's an experiment, so it doesn't go according to plan. Uh, and, and, it, and where it doesn't go according to plan is, is kind of like this, uh, the, the, the kind of conflict between the training to be a soldier and the instinct to be a, an animal or a, a, to be, you know, who you are. And, and so there's, it's slightly allegorical for, you know, any person being forced to go fight in a war that they don't really have anything to do with. Uh, and then what happens is they accidentally come in contact with a, a kind of a new soldier, this, this, this platoon of chimps uh, comes in contact with a, uh, a new like rookie soldier and he it's kind of a little bit of a role reversal he is now the lowest person on the totem pole in a group of in a platoon full of chimps the human is the lowest and the chimps are the highest and they can't really communicate there's a lot of visual storytelling in terms of like trying to communicate and and, and uh, get across you know what these chimps are feeling and thinking uh and it sounds like it would be a hell of a movie you know yeah i mean i think like it sounds very cinematic hollywood if you're out there yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh yeah I, I think it's it's a nice it's it's a it's a long thing it's like 700 pages um uh, it was originally um for like graphic novels like volumes kind of like manga size vol- volumes Okay. Uh, black and white, um, and each volume was like around 150 to 200 pages. There's four of them, and uh, yeah, it's something I'm pretty proud of. Still, uh, it, it definitely charts. You'll see uh, an evolution in like maybe my my style because it, it was it was something that was made over the course of you know 10 years or so as I was slowly like being able to to work on it. And, through other jobs and stuff, but I would say that it's that was my calling card for the comic industry, and and that was what got me the ability to to write for the X Men, uh, uh, what you call it? the Marvel Knights book that we talked about, and then also really that's what was got me Ninja Turtles in a roundabout way too because. It was there that I was able to kind of show that I could kind of write and draw and, you know, not just be an artist, but a storyteller together. That's and huge. Yeah. I mean, That's I think really it's, huge. it's, I, I think that obviously there's plenty of uh, comics that have been made by, you know, teams of writers who are writers and artists who come together and, and they complement each other. But I do think that when you are the artist and the writer together, you do kind of think of things in a, the storytelling in a, in a kind of visual way there, there's a unity between the storytelling. I don't know there was this, uh, I don't even want to get into it too much, but there, there was this kind of uh, internet flame, like, uh, the past 
month or so where like people were calling people out for drawing heads in boxes. Did you hear any about anything about that? No, nothing. Uh, you're better <laughs> off. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, you know, someone was, was giving someone shit about like, uh, you know, writing for uh, artists and then just giving lots of heads in boxes with dialogue, you know, the most kind of basic. Sounds like a Kevin Smith book. Story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Which I love, but still. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with it. I mean, you know, we all have to have some of those panels, but it's also not inherently like the best use of uh, comic storytelling. Like it's definitely that's more like using comics where the words are very much more the uh, the more important piece of that puzzle and that page, right? It's like this is uh, text heavy, and and we're getting a little extra information from the drawings, and that whoever's talking is like giving us some kind of expression or something, but it's not really marriaging them. To, the, the, you know, the two sides of images and, and words in a way that like some magical third thing is happening and we're kind of using the medium to its best uh, ability. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that like that doesn't happen when, um, when writers are, 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 you know, that they're just handling the writing. In fact, I mean, Alan Moore, who is widely, accepted as like one one of the greats and and Neil Gaiman for that matter too they are very good about thinking about the medium in a visual way and they deliver uh stuff for the their their artists to to draw in a way that combines the imagery and the, the drawings but sometimes I think when it is that separated we get a little bit into just uh having I don't know like that's what I was thinking of, actually. I was thinking of Neil Gaiman, uh, Stardust, with Charles Vess's uh, illustrations. Now you look at the page, and there's just a whole bunch of dialogue on it, but then you've got like kind of this, uh, maybe maybe like a picture of, of something that, that uh, he's done with like tons of embellishments. That's that's actually what I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think at its best, there's this kind of uh, poetry that happens between... The words and pictures that this third thing happens that couldn't be done with without you know with either of them by themselves you know uh it's it's the sum of 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 the the drawing and the the and the, the words is more than than the individual parts uh and that's i think you know comics at its best but obviously, you know, we, we got to go through some heads and boxes to get there sometimes. But uh, <laughs> of I, I, course, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, there's always going to be some exposition. But I think the idea is just like, you know, focusing on story rather than you know, drawing pretty pictures. So or, or writing you, pretty dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and um, I again, going back to Frank Miller in this one, I mean, you were talking about writers and artists and, and among some of the best that, that have done both of them, you know, he comes to mind or Walt Simonson or Mike Magnolia. You know, yeah. Those, uh, yeah. And, and um, just, just through this conversation, it's like, 
it really uh, brings some insight as to like the things that I've read even recently. And it just kind of go back and have that new appreciation for him and be like, wow, that is pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, when it really does work good, it's kind of invisible, you know? So like sometimes you don't even, you know, you don't even realize uh, how it's affecting. I mean, like any good art, whether it's film or, or novels or anything, you know how like some some novels you read and it's just like it's hard to get through them and then some novels you read and it's just like effortless you know you don't even realize I can see you're that, reading, yeah. you know uh i think good comics are like that too where you're just pulled through the story and you're at the end before you know it and you're like wow you know what just happened <laughs> So what's next for you after Jenica? Do you have any uh, plans to continue any other uh, creator-owned books? Or is there any uh, projects you can talk about? Um, I'm working on a uh, graphic novel now that uh, someone else wrote for First Second. Uh, That's what I'm actually doing right now. It hasn't been talked about in public, so I don't think I can be more specific than that. Uh, That's going to take me... Um, probably until the middle or until June to finish. And I do have a creator-owned book I'd like to pitch, which if nothing pops up before then, I, I probably would do that. But I'm always open to more Jenica, more Turtles if if uh, if the people if the people want it, and the editors will have me. I would definitely go back and do some of that. But we don't have any plans right now. It, yeah. I, I was hoping we would see a variant cover uh, or something like that with your uh, with your artwork on it. For which? Uh, for Jenica? Well, I've I've seen the Jenica ones, but uh, oh. maybe like a Last Ronin or something. Uh, I know Sophie, yeah. Sophie Campbell just did one for number two that'll be coming out. So you know, I would have loved it. I loved. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Kevin Eastman. Like, uh, I think that in my DNA in my like artistic DNA, uh, the early black and white Ninja Turtles are very much a part of that, you know, early DNA. Did you ever Uh, have a favorite story from back then? Um, no, I would say, um, no, I mean, I really just liked the, the, for me, like Ninja Turtles were like part of my origin story for getting into comics. Like I, as I said, I, I was, I got into that role-playing game and, and then it was right as it was a little before the, uh, the Turtles had a cartoon. So they were still in that, they were still super big in black and white comics, but hadn't completely gone mainstream yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I uh, got the role-playing game, got into that, and that got me into the comic book store. And once I was in the comic book store, I, like, I'd had comics and stuff when I was younger, but mostly, like, from Spinner Racks. And I had, like, Tintin books from, like, the, the bookstores and stuff, and Asterix, some Smurfs, Disney, whatever. So I already had, like, comics, and I did have some, you know, floppies from, you know, like the spinner racks, random, random, but I hadn't been in the comic book store and the, the, the role-playing game got me into the comic book store and I started getting the uh, black and white Eastman and Laird ones. 
But once I got in the comic book store, I was like, oh, what's this? What's this? You know, I was like, I was like, oh, Wolverine. Okay. What, oh, Wolverine's also in X-Men. Okay. Oh, Spider-Man. I remember him. Boom. And so then, then very quickly, I was just like every week comic book store. And then like very quickly, like I want to draw comics for a living, you know? So uh, it's, it's pretty cool now getting to like add to the mythology of Ninja Turtles a little bit because it really was one of the things that got me into comics in the first place. That's great. That's great. And, and like I said, um, everyone I know who's talking about the book loves it. You know, um, the, the style fits so well. Like it's, it's got like that, that punk rock sort of uh, details to it. Um, I, I love it. I just read it again this morning and I, I was reading through the first two issues of the second series. I, I think your stuff is great. Thanks. That's great to hear. You know, you never really know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's kind of gets out there and, uh, you know, it, there's been some reviews and they've all been mostly uh, positive, uh, but still, you never really know. Yeah. And I, and I mean, um, it's, it's funny because like, like some of the things like, like we talked about, I think go really, really well with your style, like the animals. I think it's, it's great. I, I happen to really like the way that you do technology. I think that's, that's really cool. Like with, um, it, you know, it's not like completely defined and it's defined by like, like shadows and detailing rather than just like, oh, it's like I drew out everything specifically so you can see the keyboard and all that. It's mm-hmm. like, I'll call it implied. And yeah, I, I like yeah. that because it's like, okay, now I can kind of get the idea what that is and move on. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I, those aspects. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I, I mean, it's, I, I, I like to, yeah, as you say, like not, I don't want to slow people down too much you know, where they get too involved in the art. I want to give them what they need to keep the pace going. I want to, I, I, I want to try to like present a page turner, you know, mm-hmm. something that, that keeps you, you moving. So even though I do love people like Jeff Darrow, who like draw these incredibly dense, incredibly detailed pictures that like you have to stop and like you want to crawl inside and like see every little detail. I do enjoy that, but for the kind of writing storytelling I want to do, I want you to be like, Oh, what's next? What's next? You know, like, and, and so I want to give you artistically just, uh, you know, enough where you, you have all the information you need, but you aren't, it doesn't take you out of the rhythm of the story and you're able to uh, keep moving. That's excellent. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming on and being a guest. I, I know I've kept you a while here. Um, do you want to just uh, give a shout out to any um, sort of social media you have where people can follow you or anything along those lines? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Elrevel, E-L-R-E-V-E-L. And I, it's the same on Twitter and Facebook. I'm just Brown Revel. Uh, I have not been on my social medias for quite some time, but... Now that we are in 2021, I am, I just kind of fell off a little bit and I kind of, I had work and I was able to just do my work and uh, it's easy, well, at least for me, it's easy to, once you get out of the habit of uh, like posting and, and being on them, I kind of just totally fell off for like the past year. <laughs> I envy you. <laughs> but, but but I think it's 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 I'm doing myself a disservice 
by being so isolated from you know the the digital world and so i really do want to get back on and, and start posting more so now's a good time to jump back on start following or whatever uh, instagram is probably the place that i uh will post the most um but i tend to try to you know also like send throw up a link on on twitter as well and even facebook also i'm an old school devotee of tumblr too so if there's any old tumblr heads out there uh i'm still on tumblr too same lfo Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, there's there's all kinds of turtle content all over Tumblr, so I'm sure. So, um, you said that's the same as the um, as the Instagram. Yeah, I love Tumblr. Tumblr is my favorite. I think but, wasn't yeah. it set up originally for artists? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's the most visual. Like, I mean, Instagram is kind of like that, but Instagram, you also have a lot of you know, uh, I don't know, lifestyle stuff people are still like trying to be like yeah this is my plate of food or whatever exactly yeah on tumblr people are just like throwing up random images you know sometimes it's art sometimes it's memes sometimes it's just the you know pictures that they like and for me i just like you know i like that less uh less politics too (laughs) yeah yeah i could see that well i will i will tell everybody where to find you and again uh, i appreciate you being on Oh, thanks for having me. All right, dudes. And now with your Mikey moment of the week, here is the bodacious Andy Doyle. Cowabunga! Whoa. Cowabunga, dudes. It's time for your Mikey moment of the week. This week, we're going to celebrate family. So, let's raise a slice of pizza and a toast to our sister, Jenica. What can we say about Jenny? Well, uh, she's always been a turtle, at heart anyway. Um, now she's literally a turtle, but what I mean is she's tough on the outside and soft on the inside. I mean, she can more than handle herself in a fight, but she's got a kind heart, and we're just really proud to call her sister. Cowabunga, dudes! Hi, this is Adam, a.k.a. Casey Jones from Casey Jones Livewire, and you're listening to Epic Tales from the Sewers. Time for a knuckle sandwich, punk. It's pizza time. And now in a segment we like to call Pizza Time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's pizza time. Cowabunga, dudes, it's time for your pizza recipe of the week. So, to keep with the theme of toasting with pizza, we're actually going to make uh, pizza toast. Now, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to grab your favorite kind of bread, uh, probably wheat or white or in a whole grain. You don't want to go with those fruity, crazy breads for this one. But you're going to drop that down into the toaster. Then you're going to get yourself some pizza sauce, you know, the, the pizza quick kind, or even now the pizza squeeze is really great for this. So once the toast pops up, you're going to give yourself a generous squirt spoon, slather some of that sauce on, sprinkle a little of your favorite cheese, could be uh, Parmesan, uh, mozzarella, um, 
Then just pop that bad boy in the microwave for a couple of seconds, throw on some pepperonis if you want, and you're good to go. You're ready to get right back into the action. We'll catch you next week, dudes. Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, IDW, Archie Comics, Nickelodeon Studios, or any other turtle properties. This podcast is part of the Epic Sewers podcast network. Check out our other great shows, both turtle-related and not. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper, with featuring Andy Doyle. Are you looking for a gift for the nostalgic nerd in your life? Try a candle from the Euphoric Tree Fort. Nostalgic novelty gifts for nerds. From birthdays to holidays, or just because, waft these smell-o-vision candles with fragrances from your favorite shows such as... Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, Dr. Seuss, Rick and Morty, Futurama, Adventure Time, Harry Potter, James and the Giant Peach, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Coraline, The Rugrats, Steven Universe, My Hero Academia, Dragon Ball Z, One Punch Man, Pokemon, Death Note, and Fairly Odd Parents. These soy candles won't gunk up your walls because they're dye-free, cruelty-free, and soot-free. Also, free souvenirs in every order over $20 and free shipping on orders over 75 with exciting scents like Nog, featuring eggnog and brandy, Christmas in Whoville, fir tree, peppermint bread and sugar plum, truffula tree, butterfly milk and birch tree, mmm, donuts, donuts and pink icing, and the ever-popular Macon Bacon Pancakes, featuring bacon and buttermilk pancake and maple. They say that smell is the strongest sense tied to memory, and if these candles don't make you nostalgic, nothing will. And remember, if you use promo code ETFS10, you'll get a discount. Check out the website, euphorictreefort.com, for smell-o-vision candles and nostalgic gifts. Don't forget to use our code. Hi, everyone. This is Justin from the Fantastic Podcast. It's a show all about fan experiences from the things that we love. So whether it's your favorite musician, your favorite actor, maybe it could be about your favorite sports team, or maybe just uh, someone that you spent time with watching something that you loved when you were a kid. These are the kind of stories that we talk about. We uh, usually do a couple stories, and uh, it's a shorter podcast, so you can listen to it on lunch at work. So uh, please check us out at the Fantastic Podcast. You can find us where most podcasts are found. You can also find us on social media. Thanks a lot, and check out the Fantastic Podcast. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con, is back at Mohegan Sun on July 30th to August 1st. Meet actors and superheroes. Shop for cool stuff. It's three days of Comic-Con fun. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con at Mohegan Sun, July 30th through August 1st. Learn more at Terrificon.com. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. We all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. 
It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. 